This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Today's guest, Jordan Lee Dooley, is a national best-selling author, a speaker, the founder and CEO of the Own It Academy, and host of She, a top-rated podcast for women. Her trajectory started with a small Etsy shop that she started in college, and now her mission is to help women live their purpose and create a livelihood doing what they love so that they can leave a legacy. I wanted to talk to Jordan because she's accomplished so much in her short time here on earth, yet has also been navigating a lot of health and wellness challenges in regards to inflammation, hormonal health. She's had a couple of miscarriages along the way. And so she's really been leaning into uncovering what works best for her body so that she can show up to do the work that she loves so much. I know that there are a lot of us feeling pressure to do all the things and to accomplish and to create and to tackle all these things that we have on our to-do lists every day while also balancing health and wellness. So I wanted to talk to somebody who's showing up in big ways, but is also really tuning in to uncovering what allows her to be her healthiest self. In this episode, we're going to talk about the balance of trying harder and softer. We're going to talk about how to grow while also maintaining stability in your everyday life. And we're going to talk about what has allowed her to be successful in business and in her career, but also to gain wealth in the area of health. We dive into her experience with burnout and the recipe that she's used to help her rebuild after two miscarriages and a season of feeling really unmotivated and burnt out. We're going to talk about her new journal, Own Your Everyday, why she created it, how it supported her in finding herself again after this difficult season. And she shares her experience with going gluten-free, healing inflammation, looking after her skin health. We talk about a lot of things. Grab your notepad if you have one or just get a tea and sit back and enjoy the show. Jordan, I have been in awe of all of the things that you have managed to create, the community that you've built, the book that you've released, the wisdom that you dish out all the time. It's just Mm -hmm. absolutely so inspiring and so incredible. And yet you're like 10 years old over there. (laughs) Practically. <laughs> and have done all of these things in your mm. life. I have also been watching you over there navigating your health and wellness and feelings of overwhelm. I'm excited to talk to you today a little bit about this word balance. Mm. And I want to know what that means to you. And I, I want to talk to you about you know, what you've learned in this journey of building so much at such a young age and what's worked and what hasn't worked on that path. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for that very kind welcome. Wow. I feel so welcome and just warm fuzzies. Um, you know, I've shared this pretty openly online. I'm naturally an achievement oriented person. I started a business while I was still in college and my husband at the time I was just dating him and he had suggested I do something just kind of as a creative outlet and hobby. And he didn't know me well enough that I don't really have hobbies. I turn everything into (laughs) some sort of, you know, career or business. And so Anyways, it started off as just something fun, but very quickly I started to learn, oh, I could use Facebook to reach new customers. And so anyways, over time, I just kind of poured my heart into it. And so fell in love with that, began writing a lot. I think writing has always been my bread and butter. Words have always kind of been my foundation. And so from there, that kind of evolved into writing short stories alongside of whatever pictures I was sharing of my products. And so this this journey to not just, I want to be an entrepreneur, but really I want to be a thought leader. I want to use my words to make an impact and so that evolved into various different you know pursuits and endeavors and just trying things in many ways it served me well it got me to a place i never thought i would be at before my 27th birthday but at the same time it was interesting how even very early on in my life, I felt like I was really jolted um, by back-to-back pregnancy loss. I've shared this online. Sometimes I regret sharing it, but overall, I'm really thankful that I've been able to connect with so many women who've had similar experiences. That happened when I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. And so in a weird, twisted, upside-down way, I was like, was that pain a gift that invited me to approach achieving and pursuing a purposeful existence and really practicing what I preach. Like I would be the first person to say like, you know, purpose isn't found in the hustle, Mm -hmm. but I think it really, for my personality type took something so jarring and jolting to really make me reevaluate and really make me ask myself, what is it that I'm pursuing? Why am I pursuing those things? What really matters in my life? And all of these kind of big questions that I think we at any age can lose sight of when we're chasing big goals, when things are working out, when we're getting a book deal or a promotion or whatever that might look like in our personal lives. And so I've really been on this journey to really simplified living. And so, I mean, such, such a big journey that we literally sold our three acre estate property that we had and like just completely transformed our lifestyle. And so that was a big move, but it was just like this commitment to what matters most in my life right now is my health. I'm only going to be this age once. I have to preserve mm-hmm. that. You know, my family is my priority, my husband and my health. And so how can I use what I'm doing in terms of achievement and work to be the vehicle to support that rather than my life being the vehicle that supports my work? Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, 
country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. Okay. First of all, before you started your Etsy site and started the hustle and started to your motto, own your everyday, Mm -hmm. did you have this vision of where you wanted to be? Like, have you always known that you would be an author and a writer and a storyteller and somebody that women would look up to? Was that (laughs) not at all? I've always valued community and I, you know, I look back at my childhood and I'm like, well, this just makes sense. Like I would always write short stories and whenever I would, I played make-believe all the time. And I always wanted to be like the teacher presenting something. And so, but when I was, you know, when I was in school and when I was, you know, prepping for my career, I was studying healthcare management and policy. So really the financial side of wellness and healthcare, which is ironic because now that's like a lot of what I have started to share on this journey. And so I always saw myself working in a career field. I always saw myself wearing a pantsuit. Now I don't even wear real pants most of the time, but I did have that picture of like somehow using my skills to lead a team or support others. But I didn't even know that this capacity was possible because what's crazy is even when I I graduated, let's see, five or six years ago now, social media wasn't a major or a degree you could get even that, like it wasn't that long ago. And so it was something I kind of stumbled into, but it's just such a natural fit. It's incredible because I think even if you went and did a course on social media, you can't teach what you have. You can say like, post like this or ask a question at the beginning of your post, but what you do in the community that you've built is so authentically you. And that comes across So you start building this community Mm -hmm. and you start sharing and connecting with women. And I'm sure that process in and of itself has inspired you in so many ways to continue then creating what your community wants and needs and is asking of you. How old were you when you published your first book? I was a month shy of turning 25. Okay. Which doesn't even make sense. I'm like, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) I got rejected the first time around. I'm like, well, no wonder I'm like 22 and a half or 23 years old, like pitching this book. (laughs) And so the first time around it didn't work out, but then I basically just took a year to focus on, I actually went back to college campuses 
And I spoke to college women. We talked about body image, community, friendship, these different topics that they were navigating. And I was just fresh out of college myself, you know, and so I was really connected to what they were experiencing. It started to refine my message and my focus and my community. My audience has really, I think, grown up with me. A lot of them are now buying their homes or, you know, starting Mm -hmm. families. And so it was interesting how then after just taking a year to focus on that, that's where then the book thing really kind of worked out when I wasn't really even looking for it. And it still happened really early in my life. So I'm like, like, well, thank the Lord for that, you know? So, so you were 25 when you quote unquote birthed your first book Mm -hmm. and 25 as well. When you had your first miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Yep. All that was a big year. Yes. (laughs) That was a big year. And for you, was that loss a big one or were you so busy with the book and the work side of things that you were able to kind of just breeze through it? Mm. So the first one, it, it was definitely really difficult for me just because it was, I think the more difficult part for me, quite honestly, was the acceptance of what the heck I just told my whole family this at Christmas time and it just got ripped away from me. Mm. So there was certainly a grief and a, and a loss with it, but it was so early on that as much as it was really devastating and really hard as I've evaluated it later, I think it was the sense of like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, and that's as an achiever, especially like it was really tough. And so within two months I got pregnant again, I was like, we're just going to fix this. You know, that's kind of how I approached it. And my second loss that happened after that was much further along. And so that one, I mean, the first one was really sad and hard, but the second one was more of the like, time stopping world reevaluating, like pause everything. What is going on moment? I had a lot of physical trauma too. Afterwards, my body did a lot of weird things um, that Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have probably done. So I had a lot of fear. There was just this whole added level of like, oh my gosh, something is really seriously wrong. It's true that, uh, that everybody copes with these things differently. I had two losses as well in between Mm -hmm. my son and my daughter. And the first one it was very similar. I mm. cried. I was mm-hmm. devastated because I had this idea of what was to come. Mm-hmm. And, and so it felt hard, but I also was like, life felt full with work mm-hmm. and James and family mm-hmm. and stuff. And so, and I trusted that my body knew what it was doing. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, you start to wonder like, is there something wrong? Is this going to yeah. be possible? Does mm-hmm. my body actually know what's going on? Yes. Or is there something wrong yes. with me? It's a layered process. Now, how old are you today? I am just a couple weeks shy of 27. So it's been a year since my last loss. And I've really given myself time purposely. A lot of people are like, oh, are you struggling? And I'm like, no, I'm purposely like doing work on my body and my mind and preparing Mm -hmm. myself. How are you navigating this period in your life as an achiever? How are you navigating the push and pull of continuing to build your business while also slowing down enough to mitigate stress and take care of your health and wellness? You know, it's been a really interesting year of trial and error is how I would describe it. At first, you know, I was forced to kind of stop and I took about two months to just heal and like process. And thankfully I had just hired an integrator at the time. So she was able to help kind of start building more of a team to support on some of the day-to-day operations and whatnot. We did that and it, and it helped a lot to get some of those additional hands helping. But then I think after about six four to five months, I realized like, I think I've kind of thrown myself back into my work. Like I am trying to slow down, but simultaneously I'm trying to also invest in four different projects. (laughs) So I started to tell my team, I was like, this is starting to feel like I'm Elastigirl again. Like (laughs) there were a lot of things that I did that limited the amount of time I was putting into work in terms of like 
whether it was spending time on advice or whatever, but your mind's always going as an entrepreneur, especially if you've got multiple projects or balls in the air. I started to realize like, I think I still have too many things on my plate. And so I I decided to take a summer break. And what I meant by that was I'm going to optimize the few things that are working and not do anything new and not try to like push for any kind of growth. So I basically was like, I'm going to just be really good at focusing on my book that I'm in the process of finishing and my Mm -hmm. podcast. So I was like, I'm going to give myself these windows. And so I've started to try to think of it in terms of on seasons and off seasons. I started to think about how in sports or in school, like there's these rhythms that they operate on. There's a summer break or a Christmas break. That's kind of what it's looked like. I love the idea of on seasons, off seasons, and actually just carving out that time, putting it in your calendar, even if it's taking that week off. I think a lot of people over the last year and a half since COVID and since the pandemic started, there there wasn't the opportunity to travel as much. And so I don't think people were carving out those breaks in the same way. So I'm hearing now from so many people who are just feeling fatigued, myself included, teetering on this edge of burnout where maybe they're not quite there yet, but like there's a sense of exhaustion that Mm. I'm hearing from a lot of women. And so I love hearing that you're just noticing that in yourself and carving out some space. I also adore the fact that you're like, I'm taking summer vacation. I'm just going to write my book and do my podcast and launch the journal, but nothing else. And I so appreciate that because I feel like it is a testament to to how much you love your work and the fact that it actually truly fuels you. You're not stopping everything and just like sitting on a lawn chair. (laughs) You right, right consciously investing time into the things that, you know, give back to you. And it's been an, it's been a process. Like this has been an 18 month, like shift for me. So it's not an overnight thing. And I think that's what we expect. It's like, Oh, I'm going to slow down. And it's all just going to fall into place magically. If I just do that. And it's like, no, you actually start to learn like, what's the best way for me to slow down. So that's kind of how I've experienced it anyway. So I want to talk a little bit about how you've been incorporating these breaks or, or moments of pause over the last year as you've been allowing more space and time for your own health and wellness. So Mm. as I said, I feel like I am just hearing from so many women who are feeling like they're on the edge right now. They've been working from home. They haven't been making those breaks for vacation or social time that refuels them. Mm. So what has your journey looked like a little bit and what have been some of the fundamentals or foundational elements of sort of restoring your connection to your body, health and wellness? Mm. Such a good question. So something that I have tried to do a lot more frequently, it's not perfect, but something I try to do really regularly is take 24 hours off of devices and social media every single weekend, Friday morning through Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. And it really varies depending on what's going on that weekend. And so what I love is I have a very grace-based approach. It's not like every Saturday I have to be off because I actually might need to be more connected to my device on Saturday if we're traveling or something's happening. And so I try to kind of just make it work with that weekend, but just be intentional to know you know what? I don't need to be on social all day Friday and all day Saturday into Sunday. So a lot of times it looks like Saturday afternoon to like Sunday evening is like my 24 to 36 hour window. And that has been something that's just really restorative because it really makes me be really present. Something else that I've done too is find a hobby (laughs) because I'm really not too great at hobbies in, in general. And so we've really gotten into gardening and that has been something that gets me outside, that gets me, you know, tending to something outside of work, outside of just within my home. Those are just two really simple things. And then 
Also something that we've really implemented is simplifying routines because I used to try to do morning routines. I honestly would do it for two weeks and then I would fall off because I felt like I had 500 things to do before 8 (laughs) a.m. And so instead last summer, especially after my loss, when I was just like, I don't even know what to do with myself every day. I just kind of felt really like in a fog for a while. So we started this process and now during the warm months, it's like our go-to morning routine. We get up, we get a you know big cup of ice water or juice or whatever it is that we want. And we go for a nice like 30 minute walk. And that's my morning routine. Like, yes, I still brush my teeth and do my hair and do the things that you would do to get ready. But I don't feel this like, oh, I've got to get my work on and then, you know, meditate and then pray and then read and then do the, you know, laundry. And like, I think sometimes we can overcomplicate like creating rhythmic things in our life. And so it was just like, how do I simplify something that gets me moving, gets me outside, is actually enjoyable for my body, you know? And that has just been something that starts me off in a slow pace. Those few things are just some very rhythmic, simple, repetitive practices that we do in our life that really mm-hmm. helps me just stay centered and grounded and not so caught up in everything that I have to do. Beautiful. Okay. For everybody who's listening right now, just push pause. I want you to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to social tag Jordan and at raw beauty talks. And I want you to share one thing, just one thing that you would add to your morning routine or that can be part of your morning routine. So for Jordan, she just mentioned having water going for a walk for me right now, the only part of my morning routine that is super consistent every Every day is having water before I get my coffee and having my supplements. Jordan, I'm curious to know a little bit about your journey going into the gut health, hormone health. You've talked a little bit about this here and there on social media. Why has that been important to you? you know, especially after my second loss, it sent off this alarm bell in my head because I was starting the second trimester at that point. So it was not as easy to just write off as like, well, it was an early first trimester loss. These things happen. It was like, I think there could be something going on with my health. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went on this investigative journey. It was about a six month process where I was like, I'm just going to dig into understanding this more because the trickiest thing I think that made me feel even more strongly that something must be up was that after my first loss, I just had did like a general hormone panel and like food allergy panel, just like worked with a functional doctor one time to just go, let me get an idea of where my blood work is. But when he got back to me with the results, it was the day before I found out I was pregnant for the second time. And he was Mm. like, yeah, I would suggest holding off on getting pregnant again. You have like something that could be the start of autoimmune. And he started to point out these different issues. And I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant now. So, (laughs) oh my God, no. So I, you know, I think that's really why I've believed so strongly in the importance of giving myself time Mm -hmm. and investigating these things because I felt like I started to get some clarity, but then it was like, I couldn't really do anything about it at that point. So I was like, well, I'm sure that won't affect anything. It'll all just be swimming. It'll all go swimmingly, you know, and then it didn't. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. And so that's when I started to on this investigative journey and learned a little bit more about where my gut health was for several years prior to that. I had this adult cystic acne, never had acne as a teenager, never Mm -hmm. had any issues with that. So it came on kind of out of the blue and it was just persistent. And I always kind of thought it was annoying. There were certain times where I would, you know, try different products, but not really see much improvement. 
And so I think once that happened with my second loss, it made me stop and think there could be a link. Like maybe this stuff going on with my skin is signaling an imbalance or something that my body's trying to tell me that, you know, is just come like kind of manifesting in these really weird ways because I don't have like chronic pain. Like I didn't have anything that was like stopping my life, you know? So that's when I decided to go back and say, let me learn about this more. And I really investigated my thyroid. I really investigated just certain things that I felt like were off and tried to focus on, well, what could be affecting my skin and how could that be linked to what's going on with my pregnancies? And like that really led to this journey of what does it look like to in a very healthy and balanced way, support these, you know, hormones in my body, my thyroid, et cetera, naturally, while also not becoming obsessive about it. Because in college I became really obsessed with like, you know, eating as little as possible and was like tracking every calorie and had really disordered eating for a while. So I know my personality type, if I've got a means to an end in mind, I can go Mm -hmm. all in. So I hired a dietitian to work with me to kind of help keep my approach healthy. And sure enough, you know, between some hormone stuff going on, but also thyroid being really off. I had issues with that in both pregnancies. My second pregnancy, my hair was falling out and I was cold. And I was like, I feel like that's not what's supposed to happen. And so (laughs) there were just different things that I started to pinpoint and that really helped me get some clarity. And then I made a plan accordingly with my functional doctor and my dietitian. And what has that plan looked like for you and your body? And I just want to state as Jordan's telling us what has worked for her, that might not be right for your individual body. We're all so different. So listen to what she's suggesting and then always check in with your own doctor or naturopath. The first thought we had was let's remove some inflammatory foods because I had something that pointed to maybe you've got the start of something autoimmune going on, you know, let's try to like reverse that if we can. Um, so a lot of it was like trying to reduce things like sugar. I I was showing that I had um, a reaction to gluten. So it was like cutting out gluten. And my functional doctor just said, you've got some imbalances in your gut. I can tell by what's going on with your acne and what's going on with your bloating and just little symptoms that I had with that. So he had suggested cutting out or minimizing dairy because that can be inflammatory depending Anyways, I started with those three things. And at first it felt very much about restriction. At first Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, well, I'll just get the gluten-free crackers, you know? And I was more just like restricting. Yes. And then after about two months, it shifted in my mind. And I was like, oh, I've been so focused on restricting that I'm not replenishing. So then I went on this whole thing of, okay, I'm going to work with a dietitian. I want to understand like how I can make really nourishing foods that are Mm. really, you know, naturally gluten-free, you know, or naturally dairy-free that are just full of nutrients and antioxidants and these things that really my body needs to restore. And so that's where I really started to love the journey. And I've even learned about how certain nutrients can help support your cycle. And so I'm adding Mm. in each kind of month or every few months, these new things that feel really sustainable because I've added them in slowly. And so now it looks like, you know, eating a lot of whole foods. I still eat my splurges. Like I've got my favorite popcorn that I love and my favorite chocolate that I've, you know, it's not got dairy in it. It doesn't have high levels of sugar. Like it's, it feels like the best option for me and still tastes good. So I found like different things that I still really enjoy that feel like splurges and that aren't just like so restrictive and intense that it's not enjoyable, mm-hmm. but I've, I've really been intentional about like eating three full meals a day and like snacking when I need to, and not tracking so closely and focusing yeah. on whole, like nourishing foods, lots of fibers, proteins, and fats, like a lot of healthy fats, like olive oils and avocado and nuts and things like that. Beautiful. I think it's so important when you're somebody who's struggled in the past with disordered eating patterns, whether that was like an actual eating disorder or just 
restricting in any capacity mm-hmm. to when you're going through these challenges with gut health or inflammation, or oftentimes what we're hearing now is like cut out sugar, avoid gluten, no dairy. Mm-hmm. It can start to mimic that sort of restrictive yeah. dialogue in your mind. And so I love that you were able to make that mindset shift eventually of really, instead of looking at what you can't have, Mm -hmm. leaning into all the things that you can have as you're working on healing your body, because truly the thoughts that we have around food. And when we're living in that restrictive space, it has just as much impact on our health as the actual food that we're putting into Mm -hmm. our body. Mm -hmm. And so I always love when I'm working with women who maybe are exploring some of this stuff and they say, I've got colitis, like I can't have gluten. Mm. We always talk about the fact that you can eat gluten. You're not going to die. Life isn't going to be over. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. You're in choice as to what you can have. And when you have those things, your body speaks to you and lets you know that it, it doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. It's not really working for your individual yeah. body. And that's really what I saw. Like I started to learn my body so well over the course of the last year that I was like, I know that if I eat this piece of cake, I'm going to enjoy it now, but I'm going to just expect a breakout in two days. And sure enough, that's what would happen, you know? And so it's like, I can make calculated decisions like, okay, now that I understand this, is it worth it to me to enjoy this? Am Mm -hmm. I okay with having a breakout in a couple of days? What's coming up? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm going to enjoy it right now. You know, exactly. (laughs) I think I've had to kind of approach it that way. And it's, I try to minimize that if you're doing that every single day, you're not going to feel better, but doing that occasionally and just understanding. And that's why I do think there is value in temporarily removing things to see how your body reacts and knowing, okay, now I understand this about my body so I can make more educated decisions when I want to indulge, you know? Yes, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about your motto. I absolutely Mm -hmm. love it. Own your every day. Own your every day. What does this mean? Where did, where did you come up with this? So, well, it was funny because we were trying to figure out a book title and I had own your, and I just started writing all these different words. And I was like, what fits the best? And as I read through the manuscript, I was like, you know, this is really about taking small steps in your everyday life. And I think so many of us ask this big question because I was asking it, you know, like, what's my purpose? What am I doing? And I think we've treated it like, oh, your purpose is this thing over there that's lost and you have to go on this treasure hunt and find it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I'm like, why are we treating it like that? Like, I think we were born with a purpose and mm. there's just different pathways in our lives in which we carry that out in different seasons of our life. Like my mom always says life comes in phases. And so that was a big freeing thing for me to realize. And so I started to explore that concept in that manuscript and in that book, Own Your Every Day. And that really just kind of became my message because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. We have the pressure to prove that we've figured it out or that we know our purpose or that we're, you know, super happy or whatever the thing is that we want to prove. Right. And even that's something I had to kind of like revisit through this journey with family, because in my whole life as an achiever, I'm like anything else that I've kind of wanted, I've just been able to like make a plan for and it work, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it was a jarring experience for me to be like, wow, this one's really out of my control. And so I had to relearn my own message kind of right after I published it, which was ironic and probably so, so timely anyways own your everyday to me just means like make the most of the small things. I think we feel so much pressure to do the big, cool, extraordinary things. But what we sometimes forget is that we can't even begin to do those things until we really show up for and steward the small, not so cool everyday things. That's really what living a purposeful and simple existence is like and and a, a purposeful life that feels intentional and meaningful. And I think we're so focused on pursuing a happy life 
And we don't even really know what that means half the time. Mm -mm. And so for me, I was like, I don't want to just chase happiness. I want to actually pursue a meaningful life. And that's really what owning your everyday boils down to. It's like, how are you creating a meaningful existence right where you are, even when you're not quite where you want to be? That's kind of the heart behind those words. I love it. You say you cannot do the big, cool, extraordinary things until you learn to show up for the small, not so cool everyday things. There is no way around that. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to somebody who is listening right now? And they're looking at you thinking you have accomplished so many of those big, cool, (laughs) extraordinary things. And I'm sitting here listening to this in an apartment that doesn't feel like where I want it to be or in a job where I'm feeling a bit stuck and I just don't know what my next step is. What advice would you have for that individual? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I would say I think we need to redefine what big, cool, extraordinary things even are because I think Mm -hmm. we look at them as the things on the stage or we look at them as the shiny accolade. But I've really had to start thinking about the big, cool, like amazing things as the things that are actually lasting. So like I say this to a lot of like women who are stay-at-home moms. They're like, I haven't done the big, cool things. I'm like, yeah, you have. Like to so many women, that is a big, cool thing, you know? And so I think we need to shift even how we're viewing. When we're thinking about big, cool things, it's more about like, what are you actually working up to? Because yes, I've done some of those things. Yes, I've been in 30 under 30. Yes, I like, that's cool. But honestly, after all the things that I've experienced over the last year, it's like, I appreciate those things, but they're not something I'm going to take with me when this Mm -hmm. life is over. They're not something that really have any kind of like eternal weight. And so I really have started to challenge even myself to think what actually are the big, cool, extraordinary things? And are they just the things that look cool or are they things that actually last? And so I would just challenge you to reevaluate that. And then simultaneously, I would say when we're working toward anything that's meaningful, building a family, raising kids that grow up to be decent adults, you know, like Mm -hmm. um, writing a book or building a a small business or building a career or anything that you feel like you're still in the beginning stages of that nothing big has like popped for you yet. You're still tending to something that's big and cool. And that's how I've seen my wellness journey over the last year. Like, I'm tending to something that really matters to me and is a lifelong dream of mine that hasn't quite panned out how I thought and had some bumps in the road. So I look at these like ordinary everyday things that no one's seeing every time I'm making these decisions Mm -hmm. as like an investment into that. And so it's still part of something bigger, even though the individual actions feel small. So I would say, don't be discouraged by the small steps because the small steps, even if you're not entirely sure where they're heading, they really do add up to these big victories. And that's really where you'll see that in the, in the big picture. How does your new journey support women in sinking into the moment that they're in right now? So last year when I was in this very stuck place, I mean, I didn't care about anything. And I'm sure you're familiar with that feeling of like, well, mm-hmm. screw it all. You know, you can go <laughs> oh, yeah. like that sometimes. <laughs> and I was in that space of, I just didn't know how to get to back to business as usual. It felt like everything was upside down in my life. And I had a conversation with my mom about that. Cause I was like, I'm just so stuck. She said, okay, you know, what if you just tried to do one normal thing a day? I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, Instead of feeling like you've just got to throw yourself back into everything that you were doing, or you've got to, you know, accomplish all these big things or, you know, be super motivated. She's like, what if you just write down one small goal that you have for each day for the next seven days? So it kind of became this like challenge for me a little bit. And so I was like, okay, so I, you know, made a list and I did something along the lines of like, 
tomorrow I am going to declutter my closet. The next day I'm going to prep some food and like, you know, actually like use my hands and cook. And then the next day I'm going to get together for coffee with a friend. And I kind of made this like daily do list basically for just a week to kind of give myself something small and manageable to look forward to each day. And obviously I was like in a season of grief and healing and stuff. So those even super small, seemingly menial things were big commitments at the time. Mm -hmm. And so doing that, what I noticed was after three or four days of it, I was just naturally adding more and more things. I was like, oh, I'm going to start doing the laundry or I'm going to go, you know, and I just started adding and feeling much more alive and motivated by it. And so, because whether you're stuck because you're in a hard season or you're just stuck in a rut and feeling like, I don't know where I'm going with my life. It can be so easy to feel like you're just kind of spinning in a circle. And so what I did after I took my mom's advice and implemented that one normal thing a day or one step a day habit, I started taking note of the steps that I felt like I took forward. So I would just jot down in the notes section, my phone, I went for a run today for the first time in two months, or Mm -hmm. I went back to church today, or I met with a friend today or whatever things felt like wins, you know, felt like this was something worth celebrating as normal and average. And like every day, as it seems, I now have a deeper appreciation for those things. Cause I know what it's mm-hmm. like to feel completely sidelines. And about three months later we were driving and I was on a work call, kind of like back to my old self, you know, not entirely, but much more, you know, uh, motivated and, and excited for life again. And my husband, after I got off the call, he said, Jay, 90 days ago, like three months ago, you were like in the darkest place I've ever seen you. You were so stuck. You were so discouraged. And now you're dreaming again. Like you're, you're laughing again. He's like, it's so cool to see how far you've come in 90 days. Mm. And I remember, wow, "Wow, just 90 days. Like that is not that long of a time. Like I thought this was going to take me 90 years to move forward from. And I still was like, you know, of course there's, it's up and down. It's not like something you're just completely over, but I was in such a different place in just three months time. And I looked back at a lot of those notes that I had jotted down in the notes section of my phone and reflected on different things I had taken, you know, mental inventory of. And I was like, wow, like I think writing down different small things that I was grateful for and that I was celebrating and just steps I was taking forward every single day really helped me get unstuck kind of naturally. Cause I was seeing like, I am making progress, even if I'm not where mm-hmm. I thought I would be right now. And so I decided to turn that into a journal. So I turned it into a journal that every day for 90 days, it's called 90 days of victory. So it's celebrating your wins. Even if you're in your in a, in a season where you feel like you're losing, even if you feel like you're in a season where you're stuck or not going anywhere, or just not sure what your next step is. The idea is to write down every single day, what was a win or what are wins from today? So that might be, mm-hmm. I went on a date night or I made progress on a project I've been dreaming of doing, or I decluttered my closet. Like it can be literally anything that you're like, I am celebrating that. So there's a section at the top that says today's win or wins. Then the middle section is today's lesson. So anything that was an encouraging reminder for you or anything that you took away from the day, like give myself some grace or whatever that might be. Um, And then the last prompt is what's a goal for tomorrow? Because what I had started doing in that process of tracking my wins is I would say like tomorrow, I'm going to try to make it a goal to do X, Y, and Z. And then that goal, if I accomplished it would kind of become the win that I would track, you know, for that next day. So it just became this really simple five minute or less, like process of just jotting down things. And then I would notice how much progress I had made over the course of 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, until I was really like back to my old self in many ways and didn't feel so stuck in a rut or a loop. So I decided to put it into this journal, Own Your Everyday 90 Days of Victory. It's a 90-day journal that has those three prompts, five minutes a day. And it's just something you could do right before bed or you know, first thing in the morning before you start your next day to just reflect a little bit and track your progress. I kind of think of it as like a gratitude journal and a goal tracker in one. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful. And I love that you created something that will impact and help so many people through a really challenging season of your own. I feel like there's so many 
individuals who are sitting in that space right now, feeling a little stuck, feeling unmotivated. And so we'll make sure that we link to that journal and your book down below in the show notes. This sounds like such an incredible tool to support you in Mm -hmm. just really focusing back on all of the beautiful things that are available to you and your own capacity. Jordan, I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. If you could write an email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman tomorrow morning, what would you tell them? Mm, I would say challenge yourself to have more fun, to do more things that make you laugh, because I think we get so caught up, like I talked about earlier in this pressure to prove, and that's not always easy. Like it's, that's kind of actually a pretty loaded challenge, but whether it's having more game nights or, you know, watching more silly videos or just something that makes you like feel young and like full of life again. Cause I think, I mean, we can joke about that. I'm so young, but like, I have felt old and tired sometimes Mm -hmm. when you, you know, with my body, just feeling like it was so beat up. I was like, gosh, I feel like I'm 20 years older. Like like this is be easy to like, almost feel like you've forced yourself to grow up so fast. And I I look back and like, I did grow up really fast. And so I, I think this past year has been a challenge to myself of like, Hey, you can still be young and fun and laugh. And like, and, and give yourself permission to do those things. There's a lot of purpose in that. It makes you feel creative again. It helps you look at life through a different lens. And so as much as it can be so hard, I just would challenge you to find things that you really just, that feel life-giving, that make you laugh, that are fun for you. Like don't take yourself so seriously. And it's so funny because I have to tell myself that all the time I can be so proud <laughs> of the next achievement or the next goal. I think sometimes grief or loss or just things not working out how you would like can be this weird invitation to be like, I'm actually enjoying my life. So I would have a lot more fun in a weird way. There's a lot of freedom in that. I think that might be one of my favorite raw challenges that anyone has ever dished out is just lean into the joy, have some fun. We need that right now. We, we need really people. Do. I'm like, just laughing. Silly. Like yeah, I, mean, I think everything has felt so heavy. And you know, and that was the other thing, like this was happening to me at the same time where it felt like the world was like kind of going crazy. And I was like, yes, I don't know how to emotionally process all of this stuff. And so I started to feel like I was just kind of going into this like super serious, like fix everything mode. And while I've still been intentional to take steps to heal and to get answers and all that, I've also been like, you know what? It's fun for me to bake. So I'm going to bake. <laughs> I think we forget that when life starts to feel so serious and there's so many serious things going on. And I don't think we were meant to carry that chronic stress. So that's Mm. my best advice for today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and how you continue to show up in a really real, honest, authentic way. So we'll continue to watch as (laughs) this next book unfolds and releases. And I can't wait to see what life has to bring for you. As you said, You've already created so much at 27. And so who knows? Who knows what the next chapter will be? (laughs) It's all a big mystery at this point. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So encouraged. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to screenshot it or copy the link, send it on to a friend. You can also subscribe to the podcast to ensure that you don't miss a single episode. As always, take what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. 
Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.